I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. podcast and uh, together again at least via internet is uh, Rich Decray, Matt Hofeld. Um, I am the latter. He is the former. Um, and look, I mean, it's 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 the off season. It's it's um, Big Twelve Media Days just happened, so there's some things to talk about. A lot of speculation. You know, I I don't know where we can um, where we can start with this, Rich. Other than you know, you you wrote a post about the David Bryan Award and and Jalen Hurts being lift left off of that award um but you know i think the technically technically the rules of that award do not allow a player to be listed if they haven't actually played a game for that university so i would expect that to change as the davy o'brien all those preseason award lists and the blitnikoff whatever you know when you when you see that list of of, of their watch list then you see also uh, the little notica- notification at the end that says this, li- this list will be updated as the season progresses. But um, any thoughts you have on Jalen Hurts, Rich? There has been – I've had several conversations, Matt, with people that I know. You may know them. I'm not certain that they've crossed paths with you specifically, um, but you – may know who these people are regardless everyone's curious to know is Jalen Hurts the real deal and one thing that I think is extremely easy to overlook when it comes to Jalen Hurts let's forget about the years that he started because he comes in that national championship game they're playing Georgia they fall behind Nick Saban conference championship knows the national championship when Tua Tagovailoa came in and won it Oh, my bad. I thought you were talking about this last yeah, yeah. season. I, no, I shouldn't have interrupted no, you're, you. My bad. You're good. You're good. Um, it's a good clarification there. But Jalen Hurst is replaced, and it's kind of the end of the story at Alabama, or so most people thought. And then you turn around, and now we get to the conference championship where Jalen Hurts finds himself in an alternate role, vice versa of what happened in the national championship game. Tagovailoa not having the greatest of outings. You could blame the injury if you want, but he wasn't effective before that point anyway. Jalen Hurts comes in. It's a complete new offense. It's a complete new or re-energized, I should say, re-energized offense, re-energized team as a whole, and he's the reason that they win that game and they keep those national title hopes alive. Like I said, I think it's easy for us to forget that. And because of that sole factor, I think it's easy to put Jalen Hurts on this back burner and say that he isn't capable of being the guy or isn't capable of making a run for the Heisman or isn't capable of making a run for the Davey O'Brien Award or isn't capable of leading this Oklahoma Sooner team to not only a conference championship, but potentially a national championship run as well. 
I am on the side of saying that Jalen Hurts will certainly improve under a guy like Lincoln Riley, especially seeing what Lincoln Riley's done with other transfers who have come in. And you, Matt, I don't know if you remember this, but when Kyler Murray was rumored to be the starter, I know Lincoln Riley hasn't officially announced Jalen Hurts as the starter yet either, but their expectation, and there was that expectation with Kyler Murray. When I look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, the one knock against him is people say it's his accuracy. It's his, his throwing capabilities. It isn't his athleticism. It isn't his leadership. It isn't his ability to command an offense. It's always been the accuracy. And wasn't that one thing that we questioned about Kyler Murray before he came into the season? Yeah, I mean, just because, but, but the sample size for Jalen Hurts was much larger than the sample size for Kyler Murray. You know, Kyler Murray didn't play a complete season his freshman year at Texas A&M and then subsequently set out two seasons before coming back last year to win the Heisman. But you're right, because that was, that was kind of the knock against Kyler was from his freshman campaign. But you look at Jalen's freshman and sophomore campaigns yeah he got replaced in that national championship game but he got them to the national championship game and you see really i mean it's it's one of those things where it's it's almost hypocritical to say this but the reality is is that jalen hurts is a bigger bodied version of kyler murray in that he's the guy that's he he's just a, a bigger physical specimen but he can run just like kyler can and by all accounts what we saw for the spring game he's pretty efficient pretty accurate throwing the ball now that was not that was under the rules where you can't hit the quarterback so some things may change there but it is very interesting the similarities between last offseason with Kyler Murray and this offseason with Jalen Hurts, even so much as Lincoln Riley going into Big 12 media days and, you know, saying, you know, Jalen's still got to win the job. Look, the only way Jalen's not winning that starting job is if he gets injured. That's that's the only way he's not the starter against Houston. And I don't know if you got to hear what I said last week um, on the podcast, but I, I really, and I've, I've said this more than once, but I really feel like there, there's a chance, a slight chance. Um, when, when you look at Sam Ellinger being named, you know, the, the all preseason, all big 12 quarterback, you talk about the Davey O'Brien award that Hertz was listed as one of the five on the watch list for the Heisman. And I get that there's a small chance that Jalen Hertz is, is kind of flying under the radar with some of these, some of these national media guys. But I 100% feel like this Houston game is going to be a shootout. I, I think this is a game, and I've said this, if you're a frequent listener to our podcast, you're hearing this for probably the third time from me. I feel like this is a game where Jalen can, can get 500-plus yards of offense through the air and with his legs when you look at how bad these defenses are. That's going to turn some heads. He, I, I really feel after this Houston game, he becomes the story of the Big 12. Then you kind of have where you you pay you pay $800,000 to buy a win the next week before you head out west to UCLA, which you and I have talked in depth about UCLA, and you believe it's going to be a stronger stronger game than than what Houston is. I'm vice versa. Both both of those opponents are terrible on defense. I don't think UCLA is as good on offense as Houston is, but still, 400 plus yard game for Jalen out in 
out in, you know, out in Los Angeles. And, and uh, this kid's going to be a, a national, there's no more under the radar after that. So I'm, I'm okay. This is what I said last week. I'm okay with Sam Ellinger kind of getting the nod right now. I am. I think reality is going to hit them against LSU it hit them in a hard way when they look at what they've lost on both sides of the ball. Um, and so I'm okay with that right now. I, you know, if, is he on the Davey O'Brien award? I don't care. I don't think he cares. Will he be on the Davey O'Brien award watch list, you know, by week seven? Yeah. He's going to be one of the five or six people at the top of that list. And he's going to be on the Heisman list throughout. So it, is it possible he's flying under the radar? Absolutely it is. But at this point, it doesn't matter. Three weeks into the season, by, by the time we by the time we hit the third weekend of September, Jalen Hurts is going to be one of the leads on Sports Center, you know, for the like the third week, two out of three weeks. And the only reason it's not three in a row is because they're playing North Dakota State or whoever it is. I can't think about it <laughs> that name right now. So anyway, that's that's my two cents on this. He's Rich. I'm Matt. You're listening to Sooner Nation. The online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com is where you can find us on the web. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, uh, Rich, let's let's switch gears. Let's, let's go to the, the other side of, of the ball. Um, Alex Grinch. You know, look, I, I think he's doing it the right way. He, he's, he's telling recruits, if you come to Oklahoma, you have an immediate chance to play. Right now, the way these guys are playing, there's no one guaranteed to go to the NFL. Um, I think that'll change uh, throughout this season. But, you know, it, it's there's no um, – where I think – I think you look at guys last year and you can say, you come here and, and here's your spot. I mean, you, you're you're – if you come to the University of Oklahoma, you get this spot, you get to play right here. And I think there's guys that you can specifically point to on the defense that you kind of look at them and say, there's, this dude's not ready to play at this level. Why is he out there? Where you have the opposite approach with Alex Grinch, and he's like, hey, man, fall camp means something because there's 11 spots. There are right now 11 spots open on my defense. No one has a spot locked in. I, I mean, you know, you go back and forth on Twitter, you hear some people say, oh, this guy, man, he's going to alienate his defense that he has. I I look at that and I'm saying he's motivating that defense. This is a defense that I feel like the last three years they've been given things. They haven't had to earn anything. And I, I applaud Alex Grinch. I think he's going the right way with this. I don't disagree with that one bit, Matt. I know that you had written a post earlier, um, kind of detailing out some of those things that we're hearing. Uh, I've heard other people use the term dissension. I don't know that that's an, an accurate term to use. I don't think it's causing any kinds of tears within this defensive unit, but it is saying that if you want to play, you've got to earn it. And I don't see anything wrong with that kind of a statement. Knowing the product on the field is going to be the most important thing. It doesn't matter if you're the smartest guy 
in the room. It doesn't matter if you understand the X's and O's better than the guy on your left or the guy who's potentially starting in front of you. What matters is the product on the field, and it's coming down to fundamentals. You've mentioned that. I've mentioned that. Who is going to consistently play fundamentally sound football over someone else who may be more talented, just doesn't have that same work ethic? We've heard it numerous times that hard we hard work beats just talent every day of the week. And these all of the guys on the roster are extremely talented. It's who wants it more. And the truth of the matter here is I wanted to know when we're looking at measurables, what's what's the one stat line that we're going to be watching the most for this defense before we're willing to say, yes, it's improved or yes, we're upgrading at this position or that position? Oh, well, I mean, for for me, I mean, you're this is a defense in the Big 12. And so it's going to be pass defense. I mean, I, I want to know I mean, they're dead last in pass defense last year. So how have you improved on the on the that side of the ball? I mean, as far as just that one aspect, defending the pass, can you get pressure on the quarterback? Can you force turnovers? Can you stop a guy from catching the ball? Um, so for me, I mean, if you're going to improve on pass defense, you're, that means you're going to improve on tackling, you're going to improve on your fundamentals, and you're going to improve on your pressure. So if pass defense, if that stat right there improves, then that means that there's improvements on all three levels of the defense. And so you really, to me, that's the stat you want to watch. And I'm extremely interested, and it's because of the – when Alex Grinch was hired, one of the easiest – stats to point out of these Alex Grinch defenses has been the turnovers. I'm mm -hmm. extremely interested, like I said, in is Oklahoma going to see this exponential leap forward when it comes to turnovers or will they remain stagnant? I don't care if it's interceptions. I don't care if it's strips. I don't care if it's fumbles, whatever it takes. What I'd like to see are Turnovers. I don't know um, if you knew this, but Oklahoma wasn't terrible in the turnover margin, but they can thank the offense for not turning the ball over consistently. They were fifth in the the Big 12 with, uh, what, 11 gained and 13 lost. But at the same time, when you look at 11 gained, that ranks ninth in the mm -hmm. conference. Oklahoma's got to protect the ball on offense to, well, at least last year to hide some of the weaknesses of the defense, but I'm hoping that changes and we see this margin, this turnover margin, like I said, just balloon up throughout the course of the season to where Oklahoma returns to, to this, this dominant style of defense. I don't expect it to happen in one year. I expect it to be a process. But the second thing, I'll throw this out there as well, is I want to know who the leader of this defense is. We're X amount of days away from kickoff. I believe today was 44 or yesterday was 44. I can't recall. And it also depends on when this is being posted now, but Brian Bosworth's name has surfaced and it always does. And it always will. When we get to that number 44, especially countdown. But the thing that you've got to like about a Brian Bosworth is he was the heartbeat of that defense. He was vocal. He was, essentially one of the most hated, if not the most hated Oklahoma player in history, but it was the personality. It was the way that he carried themselves. And because of that, he gave that Oklahoma defense what we like to call swagger. 
who's bringing that to the table in this upcoming season or who's bringing that for the next four years is the second thing that I'll be watching. Well, and I don't know that there's going to be a guy this fall that you can say he's the unquestioned leader for the next four years. I think the guy that was going to be the leader of this defense was Caleb Kelly, but we know, you know, he's not going to be available. Um, You know, he may get his four games at the end of the season, depending on how that rehab goes. So I think you look to a guy like Kenneth Murray, you look to Neville Gallimore, and to me, those two become the guys that you – you look to and think, okay, Neville is going to be the, the man in the middle on this defensive line. He's going to be one of the anchors. Kenneth Murray is going to kind of be the general now of that linebacker core. Um, so I think those are the, the two guys, you know, but is there, is there, you know, is there a Jared McCoy? Is there a Curtis Lofton? Is there a Tommy Harris? You know, is, is there a, you know, a Roy Williams? Is there a Teddy Lehman? I don't know. I mean, we, we don't know. This, this defense has been so, abused over the last few seasons that you know there's talent there but when when you when you're out of position and when you're having to cover for other guys who are out of position you don't really get to I mean I I think Murray's super talented I think Gallimore's super talented I don't think we've seen them to their full potential because of how bad the defense has been on all three levels so you know you think back about that Brian Bosworth defense and you know, the boss was, was what he, he was flamboyant. He, he was, he read his mouth. You know, you got the famous orange makes me want to puke quote that still gets quoted around. You know, that was like 1984, 85 when he said that, you know, now we're going into 2019 and you still hear people talk about that going into, you know, OU Texas, going into Bedlam, uh, the color orange, but you know, that, that defense had some studs on it as well on all three levels. You think about a guy like Tony Casillas on that defensive line. He had a, 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 a long and successful career in the NFL. I mean, there, there has to, for you to have a guy like a Brian Bosworth, for a guy like a Tommy Harris, for a guy like a Roy Williams, you know, I'll, I'll think about just in the, in the Bob Stoops era and beyond, the Jared McCoys, those guys that have come out. That, that, that de- those defenses were talented all three levels. And I think before you say, who's the next Brian Bosworth, you got to say, how can we fix all three levels? Because you, 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 got, you, you can have an all-American caliber linebacker, but if you're terrible up front on the, on the front four or the front three, it doesn't matter how good your linebacker is because he's got offensive linemen in his face every play. So that, those, it, it's the guys in front of you and the guys behind you that really make you great that really help your talent per, just kind of show through and that's what this defense is going to need honestly and, and that's what we've got to wait to see and and I, i'm telling you man this houston team is going to bring a test to this level i'm going a long way around to answer your question <laughs> but if 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 you if you made me narrow it down right now uh, my two guesses would be neville gallimore or kenneth murray hey it works for me you listen to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports. You can catch us on Twitter at Sports Heartland on Twitter at Sports Heartland on Twitter. We'll be right back. All right, Rich, I talked um, a little bit last week um, about um, the running backs, uh, kind of dedicated the podcast to that to that p- particular area. Um, and this is a group that's that's deep and talented as normal when when you're I mean, it's just become a staple for OU football that you've got a deep and talented, you know, group of running backs. And a guy that's that's intriguing is Marcus Major. And and I I, I don't know, man, because I, I, I look at 
I look at how deep this group goes and, and you know, obviously Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon are your one, two guys. I see TJ Pledger um, being kind of that, you know, that Abdul Adams, Roy Finch, you know, go back that, that third guy, just a change of pace here and there. Um, and then Pledger, I think, I think next year Pledger takes a major role in this offense, but in, in 2019, I see him being that third down back. Honestly, man, for all the talent that Marcus Major has, I don't know he gets on the field outside the four games. I mean, I, I really don't. I, I think, I think if you're Lincoln Riley, if if you're looking at what you've got, I mean, I, to, to play Marcus Major a, a ton of minutes, he's not really fit for the H back spot. You're going to have to take TJ Pledger off the field, or uh, you're going to have to take. Kennedy Brooks off the field, or you got to take Trey Sermon on the, off the field. As much as I love Marcus Major and, and what he brings to the table, I don't see how you take any of those guys off the field. Let me preface this conversation because we, we kind of just jumped in full swing. Off air, Matt, I had asked you the question of Major and his impact and the potential for playing time as a true freshman, knowing that there is that full stable, but you've seen. J.D. Runnels' tweet that's surfacing once again from the beginning of this year. Have you no, seen it? I, maybe I, I don't. <laughs> give me, give me some. Okay. Well, there. well, let me. I'm just going to go in and I'm actually going to read that for you because what he says you can agree with or you can disagree with. It's not going to hurt my feelings one way or the other. I got to pull this up one more time. Um, but as far as Marcus Major is concerned, the comparison that he's drawn from J.D. Runnels is to one of Adrian Peterson. Here's what the tweet says. I don't take what I'm about to say lightly. Would not say it if I didn't mean it. Marcus Major is the closest high school running back I've seen to Adrian Peterson. Now, Runnels has a a good track record with Adrian Peterson and what he looks like on the field in person because the two played together for two seasons at the university of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that kind of a tweet again, I mean, that's a lofty comparison that's setting some extremely high expectations on a guy who has yet to take a snap on a collegiate football field. Needless to say, when I look at Marcus major and if those I mean, he's already put on 16 pounds. He's an early enrollee from the spring through the summer. Now we're heading into, uh, I, I guess you could say the fall, even though it's only July. But he's put on that 16 pounds. He's up to 211. He has the, the body of not a freshman anymore, but a seasoned veteran at the running back position. If the talent and the word and the comparison that he's drawing – holds true and we see him in four games I feel like it would be nearly impossible to keep him off the field even though you've got you've already mentioned Kennedy Brooks and you've got Trey Sermon the the two backs who are expected to anchor this offensive unit especially the offensive line while they kind of get their sea legs under them if you will Look, man, again, I, I totally get it. I, and I, I have lots of respect for J.D. Reynolds. I've interviewed him before. He's been on our podcast. But, I, again, I, if he plays substantial minutes, if he gets beyond those four games, it's going to be because he's he replaced T.J. Pledger or, be, or because somebody got hurt. Um, 
I did. There's just so much. There's so much trust and durability and reliability between Kennedy Brooks and and Trey Sermon that I, I just don't see how he cracks into that this year. I'm, I'm not saying he's he's again. I love the kid. I, I love I love what he brings to the table. But and again, I don't know if you got to listen last week, but Ramondre Stevenson is the guy that I feel like if you're if you're talking about a running back who's a first year kid. If there's someone else who's going to get playing time outside of Brooks and Sermon and Pledger, I'm thinking it's Stevenson because I think he's the he has a chance to be in that H-back setting that can just do some amazing things. I just don't know if there's – it's a crowded stable right now. And you get, he's a freshman. I get it. He was here early. But, you know, I, I don't care about your body. What I care about is can you slide over and pass protection? Can you pick up the blitzing linebacker or the safety? I, I, can you can you know your route out of the backfield and when you when you have to go hot? I care about those things more than I care about what your body looks like and how much weight you've put on. Adrian Peterson was a special kid. Special, he, he was one of those generational guys. Now it's been, you know, that was 2005, 2004. So it's time for another generational guy to come around. Is, is that guy going to be Marcus Major? Maybe, but at this point, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to bet on it for sure. When we're talking about guys like Kennedy Brooks, so we've seen what he can do, and for you know Trey Sermon, who's been a two-year just stalwart at the position. I mean, Trey Sermon's been your most reliable running back for the last two seasons. So I'm not ready to pull the plug and and, and replace those guys with a true freshman just yet. Could happen, but uh, odds are. Odds are that Marcus Major really has a coming out party in 2020 than he does in 2019, in my opinion. <laughs> I've got nothing to add, man. Well, we'll we'll see how it shakes out this season for sure. All right, well, let's take our final break, and then we'll uh, we'll be right back to close it up. Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. All right, man, um, Big 12 media days were kind of the thing this last week. Uh, I know it's been talked about by the time we record this late Saturday night, or Friday night into the early hours of Saturday morning. Um, the only thing that really that, that came out of this for me was um, was Lincoln Riley, you know, sticking to his guns on their, that, that Jalen Hurts is not the starting quarterback yet. I, I don't buy that, but I've I've said my piece on that. And this the horns down penalty thing, I think is just completely stupid. And I, I think it's only going to apply in certain situations. What what I'm more curious, and, and Twitter kind of brought this up, brought this to light early in the week, is if if I'm if I'm an Oklahoma football player and I'm running into the end zone and I do the horns down at the Texas crowd. Apparently, I mean, if, I, if I'm scoring and I didn't have the cotton, cotton ball and I do horns down, apparently that, that calls for, for the flag, right? Now, what I want to watch is if a Texas player scores on the Oklahoma, on the tunnel end, on the Oklahoma end zone and does the horns up, should that not be a penalty as well then? I mean, is that, is that fair? Uh, that's a good question to ask it's not like an answer because it's not even a discussion that's being thrown out but i see the validity of the argument if one is taunting then the other has to be as well right yeah absolutely but see here here's the thing i mean and again it goes i'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of, a, of an oklahoma fan rant here 
it goes into what Oklahoma fans have been saying about the culture in Austin, Texas for almost a decade now about how the culture there is getting soft. And, and you're seeing that in, into the football team. When, when you, when you spend time as a football program, protesting the hand gestures of other teams, when your own fight song includes the words, Oh, you sucks. There's no way. I mean, you, you cannot, if you're the university of Texas, I actually had a guy, uh, you know, you know, I, I work in, in central and South America and I had a guy here last week who's a huge Texas fan. And I just straight up asked him the question, what do you, how do you feel about this? And he goes, man, I wish they would just shut up and play football. That was, that was a fan hard. I mean, we had some fun back and forth between OU and Texas, but when he got to that question, his response was, I wish they would just shut up and play football. When, when you spend time, when you actually spend time out of your day, out of your week, protesting to the big 12 about a hand gesture, you've gone soft. There, there's no way there's, there's just no way you can argue anything other than we're soft. When you're, when your starting quarterback goes to Twitter and says, I'm going to remember everybody who's ever done the hand, hand down gesture and they're going to pay and they're going to, they're going to remember, they're going to rue the day, you know, that they did the down horns. Hey, guess what? Your backup quarterback, Casey Thompson, I've seen him. I've, I've been there. He played football with my son. I've seen him do the horns down. So, I mean, what are you going to say to him, Sam? You know, I just, it, it's soft. There's no way that you can describe it as anything other than soft. And, and, and here's the thing, final, final thought on this, and I'll turn it back to you. No one in the Big 12 respects this. I mean, all nine other schools are laughing at Texas over this. The players and the locker room are having a field day with this. The, 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 the SIDs and the people who run Twitter feeds, the fan bases, all this is doing is just adding fuel to the fire with this horns down thing. And I know it's a judgment call for the officials, but I'm telling you, there are teams that are just going to take the penalty. We're going to do it and we're going to take the penalty. And, and you had a certain portion of the Texas fan base that were more upset that when OU won the big 12, they did the horn collectively as a team, they did horns down when they won the big 12. You've got people who are more upset over that than your team choking off the big 12 championship game. I, there, there's no way, there's no way you can describe that culture with any other word than soft. No one's going to take you as being a in-your-face, hardcore, smash-mouth football team when behind the scenes you're crying to the Big 12 office about a hand gesture. That's just the way it is. And nine other schools know this. And nine other schools are going to have a field day with this this coming fall. I'm excited to see how this plays out. Here's what I'll say about the situation is <laughs> – as this has been brought up, I know that it became a topic of discussion last year. I felt as though someone named Tom Herman was seeking clarity on the situation. Unfortunately, the answer we got was, it depends. Now, I don't know when or if that's gonna be penalized, but here's what it comes down to is, that sounds like a judgment call, and yeah. putting that in the hands of the officials, I, I don't believe is a, a good decision to begin with. Regardless of how you feel about horns down, horns up, whatever it may be, regardless of how you feel about the hand gesture, 
to come in and the decision be, well, it depends, did absolutely nothing. And so we're going to continue to hear about this conversation for, I'm sure, years to come because nobody will, will make a clear-cut decision. But I am of the opinion that, you know what, if you don't want people to do the horns down, beat them. It's pretty simple. Right. Texas, yeah, and specifically Sam Ellinger, wants to say Texas is back after the Sugar Bowl win. Go out and prove it. Because mm -hmm. if you're winning, you know who's doing the horns down? No one but Oklahoma. And that's what rivalries are made from. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, think, um, I think you said it accurately. And, um, I mean, look, it's – it is what it is, and it's when when you can't win football games, you got to look at other things. Um, hey, but uh, but I, I get, hey, while while we're go ahead. while we're talking about this, I did see a video of the situation to where you can flick the horns down. You can literally flick it. It looks like you're pointing down, but if you if you watch. <laughs> and that pinky comes out. It is absolutely a horns down. Now that happened at some press conference. It may have been Big 12 Media Days. People caught on to it during, or I should say, people caught on and began to post it on social media. I got a laugh out of it because when it was done so quickly, it just looks like you're pointing, making mm -hmm. a point, talking with your hands, making a point, and pointing at the ground. When in reality, you're doing the horns down. So again, that that judgment call. It's going to be tricky. Go ahead and, and finish what you're going to say. My apologies. Well, I was just going to say, when, when you're struggling to win football games, I mean, when, when you want to know how, what is the struggle of our program, it's when situations like this rise up. I mean, and let's not forget, this is, a, this is a football program that has a head coach. Well, let's go back to the Big 12 championship game last year, and, and let's talk about the, the placeholder flipping Oklahoma's defense, the bird, uh, before the snaps, you know, and, and then you, you've got the bowl game against Missouri where he's mocking um, the, the Missouri quarterback. Please don't talk to us about class, but don't, don't come back and tell us about how disrespectful it is for the horns down when, when your program is doing that kind of stuff as well. And that's what I'm saying is that the, the big 12 knows, I mean, there's, there's nine other teams in this, in this conference that, that know exactly what's going on. And you want to make some noise. I mean, seriously, you want to make some noise. If you're Texas, Beat LSU, September seventh. Just beat LSU, and um, and and people will give you the respect. You don't have to go out and beg for it. People will respect that. And so, I mean, that's 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 what it comes down to. If if you're a Texas fan, you're you're looking at. I don't want. You're looking at. I don't care about the horns down. Can you beat LSU and really kind of get us going on the right track in 2019? And that's what it's going to come down for uh, for Texas fans the second week of the season. That's going to wrap it up for us. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back on next week, Thursday, Friday, somewhere around there. We'll record another podcast episode. If you've got any suggestions for us, we'd love to hear them. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland, at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Let us know you listened. Uh, let us know where you agree or disagree or give us some topic ideas. Um, the other thing is you can email us uh, at um, sports, uh, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com is where you can find us uh, at email. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Boomer Sooner.